Hi everybody, this is Andrew from Therefore I Geek. Don't be alarmed, you are in fact listening to the Therefore I Geek podcast. It just happens that the first several episodes we recorded went by the name Random Thought Generator. We changed the name starting with episode 9, but decided not to go back and try changing everything about the old episodes. So, without further ado, enjoy this episode of Therefore I Geek. Hey folks, this is Andrew. In this week's episode, we're going to be discussing, among other things, some plot points that are spoilers for The Amazing Spider-Man 2 and X-Men Days of Future Past. Consider yourselves spoiler warned. And now, on with the show. You are listening to Random Thought Generator, episode number 6, brought to you by Therefore I Geek. Hi, welcome to Random Thought Generator. I'm Andrew. And I'm Tracy. And today we're going to be talking about summer blockbusters. Summer blockbusters this summer have been insane so far. Going back as far as Captain America, which was a little bit before the traditional summer blockbuster time. And now we've got Spider-Man or The Amazing Spider-Man 2. And um, just recently, X-Men Days of Future Past, which came out over Memorial Day weekend. And these are all of them exciting. I mean, between the two of us at Therefore a Geek, we've seen all of them. And um, the two that I've seen have just been mind-blowing. They've really gotten the characters right. They've gotten the storyline right. It's been a lot of fun. No, and I'd agree. Like Tracy mentioned, the typical traditional summer movie season starts from Memorial Day and ends at Labor Day. In recent years, that's changed a little bit in terms of the fact that a lot of times movies will come out the the first weekend in May. Uh, Iron Man has done that a couple of times. Mm-hmm. Well, it's getting and, earlier and, and now earlier. Now Captain America so is kind of yeah. Captain America is kind of pushing this one back a little bit, even further. It, it's kind of a summer movie. It's kind of not, but for the for the purposes of this discussion, we're gonna we're gonna incorporate it. I think um, part of that, too, is just because there are so many blockbusters coming out in the summer. For a while there, it seemed like every weekend you'd have two or three really large ones. And um, that's, I mean, when a person, a a consumer, a viewer, um, has three really big movies to choose from, it's a lot harder for um, theaters to compete for those, or not for theaters, I guess, for movie producers to compete for those dollars. Well, and that was kind of an issue last summer, especially. A lot of big, big blockbuster movies did terribly. And and people were kind of discussing, is this the end of the, the Hollywood blockbusters, the death of, of big summer blockbusters? And I think this summer, you know, so far, we've really kind of put that idea to rest. I mean, you know, it's still early. We're not even, we're not even quite into June yet. Um, at the point we're recording this podcast, it'll be uh, just into June when we release it. Yeah, it's um, it's they're spaced out better this year, which is nice. Um, last year, I remember World War Z was right on top of um, what was the other one that came out right around that time. We reviewed several, and it seemed like every week you and I were getting together and saying, "Okay, well, we've got to pick one of these coming out to review for the blog," and it was hard. Well, it's not even as much that as just they're do they're they're much better films this year than last summer. That's true too, and they're and they're doing much better. Mm-hmm. And like I said, but it's early in the summer, so there are a lot more to come later this summer. Uh, we've got Guardians of the Galaxy, we've got a whole bunch of stuff, and we'll go over that in just a second. But 
with all these other ones coming out, we'll see, you know, maybe we burned out early this year or, you know, maybe we'll kind of keep it up. Yeah. So, um, a story that Andrew and I talked about the other day in the car, we always have these conversations in the car and then we think, oh, we should make a podcast about that. Um, we were talking about where summer blockbusters came from because, I mean, originally the big epic, um, movies always come out around Christmas time. And to some extent, they, uh, some still do. The Hobbit, um, The Lord of the Rings back when I was a teenager, and um, The Hunger Games, Harry Potter, those are all movies that come out typically at Christmas time or right before Christmas. Yeah. Yeah, frequent, frequently those movies will come out. The um, movies that really want to be in, in for Oscar contention but may, may get forgotten over the course of a year, those are the ones they tend to try and shoehorn in. Um, a great example is The King's Speech. That came out, I think, a day or two before the deadline for the for the Oscars, just to get it in there, and just so it's fresh in the minds of mm-hmm. the people who are uh, who are voting. That was a. I know this is a totally total sidetrack, but that was a great movie. I love that movie. No, absolutely, it makes me cry every time. Ridiculous. I don't cry, but no, it's a fantastic movie. <laughs> um, but yeah, so I mean, obviously, in the summertime, the types of movies that are released in the summer aren't Oscar material specifically they're more the smash boom bang michael bay josh um lucas george lucas why do i always say josh lucas uh george lucas um who else does summer movies typically um oh uh, there's plenty of them spielberg's done a lot of them Mm -hmm. not exclusively but spielberg has done a lot ridley scott's done a few the occasional Uh, tarantino yeah i mean tarantino is just kind of all over the place though he doesn't care that's well. That's the big thing about Tarantino. He just doesn't care. <laughs> oh, he cares about he cares about certain things. Just, <laughs> you know, just what he cares about and why he cares about is is really unknown to anyone but Quentin Tarantino. <laughs> Good point. Yeah, but historically, as Tracy was saying, summer movies weren't really a big deal. You know, you get you get some. You get going back. You know, you get movies like Jaws and things like that that are historically big films, but you know they weren't ever expected to be these massive. Uh, franchise films or these these big uh, box office hits. What really kind of changed that was uh, Star Wars. Like like many things in film, you know, Star Wars kind of turned things on its head. And from that point on, it was you know summer became the the big blockbuster, big blockbuster season. And, I mean, if you look back, just I mean, looking at box office mojo for a second, you know, you look at the the number one films coming out during the summer. You've got E.T., Ghostbusters, Back to the Future, the original Batman, Terminator 2, Jurassic Park, Forrest Gump, Independence Day. I mean, the list is massive. The first two Shrek films, Dark Knight, Transformers 2. Interestingly enough, one I didn't realize, Harry Potter and the Deathly Hollows Part 2. That was a that summer was a, one? That was a summer one. Oh. Part I, th- I believe Part 1 was a Christmas, was a, was a Christmas I was going to say, yeah, because most and of them are... They spaced them six months instead of instead of a year. Oh, right, because they filmed them at the same time. That makes sense, actually. Yeah, and then you've got Avengers, Iron Man 3. So you've got just, just massive, massive films in that summer season, and that, that really has kind of set the tone for what's expected of summer movies. But Star Wars wasn't intended to be a summer movie, was it? No, originally it wasn't. Star Wars was actually intended to be a Christmas release like most film, most big films. When George Lucas saw the initial cut of Star Wars, he was horrified and actually went back and personally re-edited it. Uh, I believe he and his wife, uh, they, they went and, and, and did the edits and really changed the entire feel of the film. 
obviously for the better. Wow. And then um, that put it at release date for, when was it? It was the early summer, right? Yeah, it was early summer. I don't remember the specific date. My parents do. I know that. <laughs> when, every, when everyone else, my parents were working with a, uh, a special needs camp, and when everyone else had to stand in line, they got to go. The, the the camp had 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 gotten tickets ahead of time for the for the, the students and they got to cut in front of everyone in line so that was a that was amusing nice yeah when I was a kid um and I've talked before about my somewhat um, secluded childhood um, we didn't go to movie theaters but I did know what was coming out in theaters because interestingly enough summer blockbusters would traditionally be advertised on Pepsi products sometimes on Coke products and um, on 7-Eleven Big Gulp cups uh, or the, the Slurpee cups. So I remember seeing the Hulk, um, Eric Bana's the Hulk, the really awful one at the beginning. Right, the, um, the Ang Lee Hulk. Yeah. Uh, it was, I, I understand that it was really bad, but I mean, I was, oh man, I was young. So he was advertised specifically on Mountain Dew because it was, the can was green and he was green and there you go. And then I remember seeing, I think this was later on, obviously, but I do remember, I believe Iron Man was on uh, Dr. Pepper cans because of the red kind of matched that sounds a That sounds about right. And I do remember for a fact that the Phantom Menace had a ton of Dr. Pepper cans because a friend of mine and I tried to collect a bunch of them at one point. Those, I, we used to try that too, but they got sticky and we always ended up with bees in our room. Just I never had the bee. I never had the bee. Pro- I don't, no, 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 I never had the bee problem. But they definitely ended up being sticky, because you know, as a twelve-year-old, you don't think to wash the stupid thing out. Right. Exactly. So the very first movie that I ever saw in a theater was when I was nineteen, and it was a summer blockbuster. It was uh, Star Wars: uh, Revenge of the Sith, and it came out in May of two thousand five. I didn't see it the very first night it came out. In fact, I didn't see it for a couple weeks. So when I went in, there was me and maybe a couple of other people in the theater. But it was the first time I'd ever seen a movie on on a big screen. I didn't eat anything. I didn't get any popcorn or the traditional anything. I just went and I sat in the theater and I looked around and I thought, so this is what this is all about. Okay, cool. And honestly, the only thing I really remember from that whole movie is uh, Obi-Wan Kenobi on that big lizard dragon thing that screamed and ran across the side of a cliff. I love that thing. I want one. I still want one. Yeah, and actually, um, Revenge of the Sith is the first film I went to a midnight showing for. Uh, My best friend Mike and I went. It was also the first time I had uh, Red Bull. (laughs) Uh, How did that go? Hey, it went fine. I was helping out with some stuff at my mother's school, so I'd been up since really early. Uh, got myself a nice sunburn, uh, because I shouldn't be out in the sun ever. But yeah, got myself a nice sunburn, and then had to, you know, sit in like the sixth row or something with my neck, you know, strained upward to watch the film. Oh, with a nice so your sunburn, sunburn was all crinkled? Nice. Yeah, that was Ouch. really pleasant. Yeah, so my first uh, theater experience was with um, a summer blockbuster, and they were still my favorites. I mean, I'll go at Christmas time, but there's something awesome about being outside, running around in the sun all day, and then going into this nice, cool, dark theater, watching a great movie, eating some popcorn, and then leaving really happy. And it's still warm outside. It's nice, as opposed to the Christmas movies, which I still love, don't get me wrong. But when you leave a Christmas movie, it's colder outside than it is inside, and that's not fun. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, so we've got a whole bunch of movies coming up too. This summer we've we've had Captain America. We had 
which you can talk a little bit about that if you want to. Um, Spider-Man 2, which Andrew wrote a re- the review for our blog and didn't spoil anything, thank goodness. Because I finally just saw it. Um, I actually saw it the same day that X-Men Days of Future Past came out. And I watched them both the same day. So I saw Spider-Man 2 and was completely blown away. The origin story for Electro, I, I, I've i always loved Gwen. She's my favorite Spider-Man love interest. I really regret that she died, and, but she is one of the few the few Marvel characters that have stayed dead for the most part, for the most part. With Yeah, with the exception of the Ultimate Universe. Well, and Gwen, Gwen is one of those characters that uh, really kind of has to die, unfortunately. You know, it, it's a significant event in Peter's life, and it has a, a it, it changes him and how he, how he goes about doing things, you know, the death mm-hmm. of Uncle Ben is the gives him the with great, great power comes great responsibility. I almost forgot that damn line. <laughs> yeah, great power with great power comes great responsibility. Yep. And then, the death of Gwen really forces him to be more careful with with the with the the execution of that power. Uh, yes, it's the Green Goblin's fault that Gwen dies, but had had Peter had Peter done something a little bit differently. Gwen would have Gwen would have survived. Her neck wouldn't have snapped. Yeah, that scene was as heart wrenching on film as it was in the books, which was really nice. And that Green Goblin was suitably creepy. I like this Green Goblin so much better than I liked uh, the ones in the to- Tobey Maguire films. Um, yeah, although Willem Dafoe is, you know, yes. you're hard pre- you're hard pressed to find someone who's quite as crazy as Willem Dafoe. He did a great job, but um, Harry Osborn was just so... Uh, I'm not a James Franco fan anyways, but... No, neither am I at all. Yeah, this was much more kind of how I envisioned the character. And then the actual Green Goblin was suitably creepy. And we had a decent... I, I was trying to figure out when I was watching the film at the beginning, and I was introdu- we're all introduced to Harry Osborn, and he's a pretty normal-looking kid. He's got a couple of... A couple of issues, but they I think they did a great job explaining why he got so creepy looking. Because I, I was just looking at him thinking, how are they going to go from this to the pictures that I've seen on the internet um, that kind of spoiled the look of the Green Goblin later in right. any suitable way that's going to actually make any sense? And I think they did a really good job explaining why he looks so bizarre. His hair is all weird and that kind of thing. No, I, I think they did as well. Um, but yeah, overall, really, really good movie beautifully shot i mean i don't usually like 3d movies but i think that i had to see this one in 3d and i really liked it um i thought they did a good job and um i was i was pleased i walked out feeling very pleased with the movie overall and then um x-men days of future past shall we go into that one because i haven't really heard your take on it that much no i i really enjoyed it i mean obviously it is not specifically canon but there were some some absolutely fantastic moments uh in it i think my favorite moment was actually at the end when wolverine sees gene yes yes and he and he and, and, he, and he starts walking up to her <laughs> and scott grabs his hand <laughs> totally cock blocked totally the, the, the only thing that would have made that that would have made it better is if uh if wolverine called him slim Oh, and that was the other thing I was going to say. I he, there was almost no Wolverine nicknames for anybody. There was no Furball. Yeah, he's not one all that often in general. Yeah, but they did in uh, the last movie. He called no, but he does call people. Them. He does call people Bub. He does call people Bub. That's true. Uh, I'm I'm gonna really miss. I know that eventually, because um, this is the seventh movie that Hugh Jackman 
has done playing Wolverine, which is yeah. a record and has broken his own record because at six movies he had also set the record for playing the same comic character um, that many times. So I know it's inevitable that he will be replaced, but I'm going to really miss him. He does an excellent job. I mean, I think that at this point he really is the character. Yeah, no, I I, I agree. Well, it's funny because he, he was another one that, that people were like, I don't really see Hugh Jackman as being Wolverine. He's too tall and this and that. Mm-hmm. And now now you can't think of anyone else as playing Wolverine, which is just, uh, that always amuses me. That's, um, uh, there's a funny story where he went to, I think it was San Diego Comic-Con, and he cosplayed as Wolverine, and some guy actually, some fan walked up to him and went, uh, no, you're too tall to play Wolverine. And this is Hugh Jackman in Wolverine costume. I thought that was kind of an amusing story. Yeah, well, he's finally gotten over, gotten over the point where he's, you know, having to get in shape. He's complaining about the, the, the bland chicken and, like, boiled yes. cabbage he has to eat. <laughs> yeah. Um, and speaking of controversy about uh, character casting, uh, there was a lot of talk about how Quicksilver was just going to be awful in this movie. And I don't think that he was at all. In fact, I've heard from lots of fans, and I know I felt that he was one of the huge highlights of the movie, if not the number one best thing. I wouldn't say he was the best thing, but I was certainly pleased with how how they did it. You know, the character was a little goofy and whatnot, but I was okay. You know, the the way they did it, it wasn't stupid goofy. It was amusing, and it was in character. Um, the moment where he goes, what did you do? What did you do? What did you do? What did you do? was just so annoying and so very Quicksilver to me that um, I just thought in that moment, I went, okay, yeah, he is. I do want to know how he sped up the Pong game to match his own speed, though. Uh, suspension of disbelief. Uh-huh. I didn't even think about that until afterwards. Somebody else actually mentioned that to me, and I went, wait, that's right. How would he speed the game up? Because he's going way faster. The, the, the thought occurred to me, and I just let it happen. Also, I love Magneto's face when he realizes that this is his kid. Because he goes, yeah, you're able to move or you're able to manipulate metal. My mom used to know a guy that could do that. And then uh, Michael Fassbender's face is just, oh, you got to be kidding me. I thought that was kind of funny. Yeah. Uh, what was it? There was another really great moment that I liked. I don't know what it was. Oh, what I thought they did very well with was this seamless transition between future and past. Yes. Well, the, mostly. The, 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 no, I really th- I think, I can't think of a time when they were going back and forth between the two. It never felt out of place. It never felt choppy. They didn't do it excessively. Mm-hmm. And it matched, too. Like, um, when Wolverine was upset about seeing uh, Stryker, it made sense for him to also react in his... Um, in his future body to react to that. Yeah, that was good. I think it was the last line of the film is still one of my best is what's the last thing you remember. And in, in the trailer it's delivered almost menacingly. It's the, it's the same line. It's the same clip, but it comes across as somewhat menacing. And then this one, it's at the end, it's extremely hopeful and excited. And that was really nice. In general, um, they kind of say that the only person that's going to remember what happens is you Wolverine, but that's not entirely true because the people that interacted with him and knew that he was from the future are going to remember it because that has become the timeline. So it was, it, and I didn't think about that until Charles actually said that. They remember that the events that actually happened, Wolverine's the only one who remembers the other timeline. 
Oh, right. Yeah. Just in general, that was the way that he kind of came to. It was it was cool that the same song was playing. So that kind of gave you a little bit of parallelism. And then um, actually getting to see Rogue back and with her powers, um, which isn't that the first time that we've seen her in the current timeline since Last Stand, I believe, when she decided yeah. to take the serum and not be a mutant anymore. And then... Yeah, I'm not... I'm honestly not all that upset with about that, though. That she wasn't around? Yeah. Anna Paquin's not my favorite. Also, I want to know why Anna Paquin was credited before Ellen Page. I, w- I had that same thought. I went, what? She was in the movie for like four seconds. That's dumb. Anyway. No, what it says is she's got a better agent. Yeah. Well, there you go. Um, Did you notice Chris, Chris Claremont was credited as uh, Congressman Parker? I thought that was cool. I actually didn't. I, n- I need to go back and watch that because I've seen Claremont in person. So I actually want to like see if I can pick him back out. But Yeah. Um, And honestly, I'm retarded and have apparently no grasp of American history. But for whatever reason, I my first impression of the president was that it was uh, Lyndon B. Johnson, not Nixon. It took me a little while to realize that it had to be Nixon because of well, the it was a pretty, it was a pretty terrible looking Nixon. Yeah. Didn't sound like Nixon. Didn't look really look like Nixon. Although the dogs, um, the dogs, isn't that well, yeah, like the dogs? A, but yeah, yeah, that that was one of Nixon's things. Nixon liked dogs, I think more than people. Almost. Didn't he have a portrait that looked exactly like those three dogs? And the one scene that they cut to, I feel like there's a painting of the three dogs that looks just like that. Anyway, the arrangement looked familiar to me. Or maybe he might. I don't remember. Anyway, yeah, he didn't sound like Nixon at all. So I thought that was my first impression. Oh, Lyndon B. Johnson. And then I had to think, wait, 1970s. No, this would have to be Nixon. So moving on to what's uh, what's coming out here in the near future. Yes. Coming out beginning of June, we've got uh, 22 Jump Street. I didn't see 21 Jump Street, but I heard good things about it. I'm not a big and fan of Channing Tatum, so... I'm not really looking I'm forward not, to that. I'm not a big fan of either of them, but everyone I talked to said it was it was really amusing. Uh, so I need to go back watch the first one and then and check the second one out here. Okay. Uh, How to Train Your Dragon Two. The first one was cute. The first one is a little disturbing for me because it reminds me of one of my cats. <laughs> Wait, um, what? We're sit- Yeah, we're sitting watching. Uh, watching the first one, and we're looking at Toothless, and so we look down. We look down at one of the cats, and the cats do, doing the same thing as Toothless, and we're like, "Well, that's that's probably not a good sign." <laughs> Wait, which one, Spider? No, Kaylee. Oh, interesting. Hmm. Well, maybe really you should probably take some uh, some lessons from that because Kaylee is dragon-like in some ways. Yeah. Uh, oh, so what's out. next? Let's see. We've My got... big movie should be coming out this weekend. Actually, it's out. It comes out today. It's in theaters. Maleficent. Which one is that? Yes, Maleficent. That should be good. I'm really excited um, about that one. I'm not an even. I don't like Angelina Jolie at all. I just don't like her, and I'm super excited. Um, her costume looks fantastic. Makeup looks fantastic. Sets look fantastic. Um, I haven't heard a ton about the storyline. Just that basically that and the whole thing is going to be from her perspective. I think it's going to be cool. I'm excited. Yeah. Well, it's it's almost the uh, the wicked version of of uh, Sleeping Beauty, where it's told from the, the quote-unquote villain's perspective. Mm-hmm. Yeah. We've got Jersey Boys coming out, which is a biopic about um, Frankie Valen and the Four Seasons. Okay. I saw a commercial for I I bring it up because I saw a commercial for it the other night that actually looked really pretty good. Uh, after that, we have Transformers 4. Wait, did you miss A Million Ways to Die in the West? Um, I might have. Or is that further down? It might be further down. I'm not sure. 
But um, that one I wasn't even interested in seeing until I saw the trailer right before one of the movies I've seen recently. And then it actually looked really funny. Um, so no, it it does. Who's the Family uh, Guy guy again? I always forget. Seth. Seth. Seth MacFarlane. MacFarlane. Thank you. Yes. Because um, I, I always want to confuse him and Todd McFarlane, and there's a definite <laughs> difference there. Big difference. Yeah. Um, I did not. I finally watched Ted a few months ago, way after it came out. It was on DVD, and it was awful. It was just not my movie at all. But this actually does look funny. And truth be told, there were a lot of ways to die in the old West. I mean, yeah, well, and the casting's really good. Um, yes, I'm not. I'm not always a huge fan of Giovanni Ribisi, but in the right role, he can be really good. I love Sarah Silverman. I love Neil Patrick Harris. It, it just it looks it looks funny, which is kind of saying something. The um, if you've seen the the Red Band trailer or one of the new newer commercials, there's a there's a quick little thing at the end that uh, Seth MacFarlane's walking by this barn. And he sees a flash of light, and he walks over to the barn, opens it up, and there's um, there's the doc from Back to the Future with yes, the DeLorean. Yes, I saw that. <laughs> it's like, and he's like, just a weather hey, experiment. Uh, <laughs> yeah, it's, yeah, what's going on? He's like, oh, it's, uh, it's a weather experiment. Oh, cool. He walks away like, <laughs> it was great. Was like, All right, whatever. That looks fantastic. Sorry, um, carry on. Yeah, so we got Transformers Age of Extinction coming out. Um Michael Bay, stop! Please stop making films. Yes, uh, it's just at this point, especially that particular franchise is. I mean, how many yeah. other ways can we see a GMC commercial? It's not even just like GMC commercials. It's that after since the first one, they just have not been very good. It's been the same plot rehashed, um, and it's been really well. This time, painful. Optimus Prime is going to be in a barn, so everything's going to be new. Well, at least this time, Shia LaBeouf's not in it. And that's a significant improvement over the last three. <laughs> yes. So, well, once they took Megan Fox out, I lost my reason to watch the movies. So, yeah, I mean, so did most people. Well, I didn't grow up on Transformers either. At all. Yeah. Well, yeah. It, it was one of the things I remember hearing people like, "You killed my childhood." I'm like, no, they didn't kill your childhood. You need to shut up and like, you know, move on past your childhood. Yeah, the first one was was a good film. I remember seeing it. Um, Fourth of July weekend, the the year it came out, we did that, and then we went and uh, went and saw some fireworks over at uh, over at the South Street Seaport in Manhattan, and it we we were all you know really pretty pleased. It wasn't the greatest film ever made. It wasn't everything we'd ever hoped for in a Transformers film, but it was it was satisfactory. And then it kind of went downhill from there. Yeah, yeah, I have to agree with that. Um, so what's uh, el- what else is next? Uh, let's see what we got going on here. There's kind of a space, I think. Of a we've got of Dawn weeks. of the Planet of the Apes. Yeah, July's a little a little Spartan. So we've got Dawn of the Planet of the Apes. Um, I didn't see the first one, but I heard a lot of good things about it. Again. I saw it, and it was not very memorable to me personally. But again, I'm not a huge... I mean, I'm a big Charlton Heston fan, so I like the original. Um, although this well, one has... The original was something special, though. Yeah. Just in general. I, again, I gotta say, I'm a big Charlton Heston fan, so anything that he's in, I'll watch. Um, but this one has apes on horses, and I mean, I might just go see it just for that because that looked kind of cool. Yeah, well, and I, I've also got a little bit of a personal connection with the original. Growing up, growing up in Phoenix, one of the local movie critics, it, whom I started getting a lot of a lot of my movie taste and and kind of input from his his method of of rating films was uh, number of damn dirty apes. <laughs> That's fantastic. 
Very yeah. Fun. So anytime I hear, anytime I think of movie ratings instinctively, even now with our own system, I still instinctively think how many damn dirty apes is this? Nice. Uh, let's see what's going on. What else we got? Uh, we've got Hercules at the end of July, which I'm not expecting to do very well. I'm really saddened by, first of all, I, I don't know why we are so obsessed with making movies of Greek mythology if we're going to do such a bad job of it. I love Greek mythology. I love Roman mythology. And we have been, I mean, uh, Clash of the Titans, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. I can't remember all the names off the top of my head. But recently, it seems like at least once. And then, oh, and the Percy Jackson things, which were kind of a play on it. Um, it seems like there's a lot of mythology in uh, films lately. And every single time, it's a disappointing movie. It's so sad. These yeah. myths are fantastic. I mean, I'd love to be the daughter of a god. So let's see. Oh, beginning of August, we yes. have one I am extremely uh, excited about is Guardians of the Galaxy. Mm-hmm. It looks to be somewhat somewhat based on the, the uh, Dan Abnett, Andy Lanning comic series from 2008, which I've just now started reading, but is pretty fantastic. And the Guardians, the whole the, the characters themselves are 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 really interesting. It's gonna be it's gonna be certainly gonna be uh, amusing. It's gonna be there's gonna be some good laughs. Uh, I'm not generally uh, a fan of John C. Riley, but I think his his role in this will be limited enough that uh, I won't I won't be aggravated with him. Who he who is he playing? Uh, he appears to be playing an, uh, a Nova. Oh, okay. So it's nothing super huge. Okay, gotcha. So I'm not a huge fan of Guardians of the Galaxy. I, I haven't really gotten into it. Not because I'm not a huge fan because I don't like it. I'm a, not a huge fan because I don't know that much about it. So tell me a little bit about Guardians of the Galaxy and uh, what's going on. Yeah. So in general, I mean, the Guardians are kind of a, a loose, loosely held together group that that is that's out there to prevent significant uh, level incursions into our our universe. Is this and, a dimensional com- thing or is it like just other planets? No, so in the comics, this particular iteration of Guardians of the Guardians was formed after um, two massive kind of galaxy-wide wars, Annihilation and uh, I'm drawing a blank on the other one here. So they were kind of formed as a, as a proactive team um, to prevent further further incursions like this from outside of our our universe. Oh, okay. But in I mean, in general, it it the characters are are really amusing. Uh, and the, the other thing, the other thing to keep in mind is that, that that this group is not actually the original Guardians of the Galaxy. The original Guardians is a completely different group. Come back from probably somewhere in the '60s, I think, is when they they originally appeared as kind of just a side story, and they would they would make kind of random appearances in different Marvel titles up through the '80s, and they finally got their own title. Okay, and who are the Guardians? They're not human, or at least I know one of them's not human. Well, se- several of them are not human, and and the movie's taking a little bit of a different, a little bit of a different spin on them. Uh, but in the movie, you've got Peter, Jason, Peter Quill, who is Star Lord, who is in the movie he's a human, and in, in the comics he's half human. You have Drax the Destroyer, who is the big the big green guy. You have Gamora, who's the small green woman. Nice name. Uh, Gamora and Gamora is uh, the daughter of Thanos. Okay, I knew Thanos had something to do with these comics, and I could not remember how he fits in here. But okay, that's well, why. Well, there's that, and there's also the Easter egg at the end of Thor. And if you're thinking back to the to the the Tesseract 
from from Avengers. Right. Those uh, those both appear to be uh, two of the Infinity Gems. Oh, so, okay. So this looks like it's leading to something with the Avengers and, and Thanos and the Infinity Gauntlet. Awesome. That's going to be fun. Okay, now I see where it fits. Sorry. Um, yep. So then you, isn't so, this the one where we have a raccoon? Yes, we have Rocket Raccoon, who's not actually a raccoon, but, you know, that that's neither here nor there. <laughs> great, great character, uh, particularly foul-mouthed. Is that going to translate into the movie? This, they are not going to make an R-rated movie. No, he's not going to curse, but he's going to say inappropriate things. And okay, they should have gotten Seth MacFarlane to voice him. Nah, that he he's got such a such a an, an already identifiable voice. Good point. And then we've got you have Groot, who is essentially a living talking tree, and all he ever says is "I am Groot." Nice. Which really seems perfect for Vin Diesel. <laughs> yes, it does. Actually, it does. Yeah, okay, so that makes sense. That'll be fun. So that is that going to fit into, are we going to see a future crossover between, a movie crossover between Guardians of the Galaxy and uh, Avengers, do you think? I don't know if they'll physically cross over. There will definitely be some, there will definitely be some connection there, though. Okay, cool. That's going to be awesome. I'm excited about that. I'm really excited about the direction. These, the movie, the Marvel movies seem more and more integrated with each other. Um, Iron Man and Thor and the Avengers and... Um, to some extent, this the X Men. I mean, obviously, Avengers and X Men are owned by different uh, different companies, but well, not, not owned, but the license different companies for the licensing. Right. I won't comment on that, but yeah, exactly. So, um, but I mean, Quicksilver will be, although I, I, it's um, going to be a different actor in the yep. Avengers movie, which is a little too bad. And they didn't even reference uh, Scarlet Witch at all. Although the little sister was, um, Quicksilver was watching TV with his little littler sister who had red hair. Yeah. And there's some speculation that that's Polaris, but it might not be Polaris. And I think that isn't in the comics. They recently discovered that Polaris is not actually Magneto's daughter. I think that I, that I haven't, that I haven't seen. I'm a little bit behind on, on my, on my comics just from being in Georgia, but I don't believe they have the same mother. Okay. I, I believe, and I may be wrong on this one, I believe Polaris is Quicksilver and uh, Scarlet Witch's half-sister. So they share Magneto as a father, but different mothers. Oh, okay. So if Magneto turns out to not be her father, then they have nothing in common, really. Hmm. That's interesting. Right. Uh, let's see what else we got. Yet another Michael Bay film, Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles. Oh, right. I almost forgot about that. That should be interesting. Are, yeah, you, a, I mean, are you a Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles fan? Did you grow up on that? Yeah, one? yeah, I was. I, I never had any like any of the toys, but there were that was always a, a fun cartoon to watch, uh, and I loved playing the uh, the video game, the side the old side scroller on on Nintendo. My I was never into the Mutant Ninja Turtles, but my cousins were in a huge way. In fact, um, my one cousin who's she's funny she's all she's been talking about it on facebook quite a bit lately and she's got kids of her own now so she's talking about introducing them but she and her brothers were so into it that they had pretty much every toy that was ever made and they even had christmas stockings with teenage mutant ninja turtle heads which they kept out all year round and slept with like stuffed animals nice yeah so after that we've got expendables 3 which i'm kind of eh on like conceptually the first one was good yeah, it was it was a, it was an amusing concept and it wasn't badly executed. Second I like one Jason I was Statham, though. second one I was lukewarm on. This one 
about a third of the cast seems to be made up of MMA fighters, and I couldn't care less about MMA fighters. They're not even I, actors. I, right. Well. But, but, they're, but they're supposed to be, quote unquote, badasses, so they get in the film. It, it, it's stupid. Yeah. So can we not consider that a summer blockbuster? Well, no, it's a summer blockbuster. It's just not one I'm going to go see. Mm, I guess we'll see how many blocks it actually busts. Uh, and then bringing a close to the the summer movie season is Frank Miller's Sin City, A Dame to Kill For, which if you take <laughs> a look at our last uh, our last Around the Web, you'll see there was a, uh, there's a bit of a controversy between between the film's uh, producers and the Motion Picture Association of America having to do with the films, one of the film's uh, posters. And Eva Green. Yeah, and, well, and, 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 and like, it. yeah, and, and like I said, I mean, I can see a little bit of, of the MPAA's argument. Um, however, like I said, you can do a Google search for Eva Green and come up with way, 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 way more uh, offensive results. Oh, absolutely. She's gorgeous. But at the same time, I kind of see just because... She, well, she's gorgeous and she's naked and like everything. Well, yeah. Was, like if, she if was th- in uh, The Last 300. Rise right, I was going to say, if you was think back she? to The Last 300, there was a point on there where she was just walking around naked, I think purely for just having Ava Green na- naked on screen. Well... It, certain, it didn't do anything for the plot. I mean, if you have a choice between Ava Green naked on screen and Ava Green not naked on screen, what are you going to pick? Well, I, I understand what my decision's <laughs> going to be, but... Yeah, but my, my only thing with the poster, and I, I agree with you for the most part, because that's absolutely correct. But if they're going to put the poster, my question would be, are they going to put the poster in a theater where some kid coming in to see, I don't know, Transformers is going to see it? I mean, I don't know that if I ever well, had that, a kid that I would want my eight-year-old kid looking at that. I don't know. Well, and that's why I said the MPAA has somewhat of an argument. Mm-hmm. But I, I think they're overstating the, the case. Yeah, well. I, I, I think I think they're being a little a little too... If you if you look at the if you look at the points that they've the specific things they pointed out as issues, in my eyesight's poor, but I'm not seeing about a third of them. Oh, like it's just that's just me. But maybe they just have a secret vendetta against a film called Sin City. I don't know. Well, it's about time this film came out. Though this <laughs> the original one came out when I was in college, and that was at least seven years ago. Yeah. Well, I mean, if they space these out this much, then it may be a while before you see the next one, too. So this may least, have to tie if, you If they space these out any further, either A, I'm going to be dead, or B, they're, we're going to start calling him George R. R. Martin. <laughs> yeah. I mean, for the love of God. Uh, so that's that's where we stand with the summer blockbusters for the, for the rest of this year. Uh, and I think it's about time we wrap things up. Yeah, I mean, in general, I have to say thank you to George Lucas, though, because otherwise we'd have nothing to tide us over between Christmas seasons. So thanks, George Lucas. For that and that only. <laughs> this is not a pass on Jar Jar Binks, I swear to God. Yeah, so um, what are you into lately? So lately, since I've been uh, in exile in Georgia, uh, I've taken to doing some more uh, novel reading. I have finished the Foundation trilogy, which was absolutely wonderful. Um, the first one was the best of the three, but really, all three of them were good. I saw the twist coming at the end of the third one, but I didn't. I didn't foresee the execution, which was nice. Uh, and now I'm currently about halfway through Dune, which is a movie or a book, I should say. I have tried to read 
probably a dozen times, like no, no, no joke about a dozen times, and have just never been able to get through it. And at this point, I'm now halfway through. I think I'm I'm past the point of no return. I think I'll make it this time around. Nice. So, Tracy, what are you what are you into uh, now? Well, I've got a couple of different things. Um, I've been trying to catch up on some on a backlog that the last couple conventions that we've gone to, we've gone through the dollar bins and well, I have anyway, and picked up a whole bunch of just individual things, portions of um, a couple of different series. I just was getting into the Marvel Infinity series, so I've been, I had the first one. I really like the artwork. I like the story. It was kind of interesting, but um, it hadn't picked up very much by the end of the first issue, and then I just talked to some of our friends over at Borderless and got the rest of that series. Um, I don't have the Avenger issues that kind of go along with it so i will have to pick up those in the near future but that's what i'm reading for comic books um i got the second lock and key haven't started that one but that's probably going to get done this weekend oh and i read the new trade of the last what is it six issues of saga six or seven yes Um, six six yeah um so i've read i read that one last weekend um it was really good and i'm not really sure still at the end of I guess, 18 issues where this story is going to go or if it's just going to basically be a history of this one child's life. I'm not really sure how that's going to go. Um, yeah, I, I, I don't know either, but like I said before, I'm along for the ride. Yeah. Um, Brian K. Vaughn is, is one of the really great comic book writers out there now. We've been very fortunate to, to steal him back from, at least in part, back from television. Yeah, so I, I mean, I get done with it and I think, wow, that was really good. And then my second thought, which is rare for me, is, wait, what was the story again? Um, so what are we doing here? <laughs> yeah, exactly. And then I just picked this book up from the library, actually. I'm, I have a book that I borrowed from you called Marvel, the Untold Story. But this is called The Secret History of Marvel Comics. Um, and then the subtitle is Jack Kirby and the Moonlighting Artists at Martin Goodman's Empire. And um, I'm on chapter three now. I've just kind of been reading this a little bit um, the last couple of days. And it's very, very harsh. So far, they've been telling the story of Martin Goodman and his antics in the publishing industry. Because before he did Marvel Comics, he did um, a lot of pulp publishing. He did published magazines. Very, very shady guy. Kind of jumped from... He made a lot of shell companies so that if one went bankrupt, the other could purchase the same assets but without taking on the debt. Yeah, I think I think at one point they actually they were um, they were running a men's magazine uh, that competed with Playboy. Yes, they were, and actually they sued um, Hugh Hefner because he originally wanted to call it something that was too close to their to their title. So I can't remember the exact title. It was I read that last night, and um, I was half asleep. I think, but anyway, so this looks really good. It's it's actually qu- uh, quite a large book. It's a nice hardcover. It's got tons and tons of illustrations. So I'm having as much fun looking at the illustrations as I am reading the book. But yeah, so that's basically what I'm into these days. All right. So if you enjoyed this podcast, be sure to check us out on iTunes. Go ahead and subscribe and leave us a five-star rating. We very much appreciate those. Uh, If you'd like to know more about what we're doing, head on over to thereforeigeek.com. Check us out at facebook.com slash thereforeigeek. Or if you'd like to talk with us, uh, hit us up on Twitter at thereforeigeek. So, I'm Andrew. And I'm Tracy. And you've been listening to Random Thought Generator. Well, I'm a gonna-
says. No dice, son, you gotta work late. Sometimes I wonder what I'm gonna do, but there ain't no cure for the summertime blues. 